if you don't know who I am, my name is Brad. Um, I'm the youth pastor, and uh, if anything gets set on fire up here, I'm not responsible, okay? Um, well, no, I will save the fire for later. I, my wife knows I typically do stuff like that, but uh, maybe the third time I'm up here, we'll do it. But uh, I have a... Check, check. All right, there I am. Um, she's sitting here on the front row. Um, and uh, just blessed to have a partner in ministry and a wonderful mother to our two kids. If you saw Jamie sliding down the slide. Jamie, by the way, is turning three this week. I'm like, when they say time flies, when you have kids, time flies. <laughs> it's like you don't realize just how old they are until you're like, another birthday. Okay. Um, and our, our little Gracelyn, is, uh, she's 23 pounds. She's, 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 she's heavy. Um, and, you know, she smiles with that gummy smile. I think she's getting one tooth, one or two, starting to poke through. Um, but she's turning six months um, this week as well. So that's my family. But we, um, we so miss Pastor Lynn and Miss Brenda, and we're so excited for them to come back. He's coming back Wednesday, so um, we're looking forward to that. I'm just like, I'm ready to talk to him, you know, just find out, like, what's going on? What kind of vision do you have? Because this is an exciting time to be a part of the church. And uh, we really believe that God has big things planned for us here. And so um, I believe that that was very beneficial for Pastor. And I just believe God was uh, speaking to him. As a matter of fact, he texted me this morning and said he's had such a great time in the Lord each morning. And uh, so Pastor Lynn, Ms. Brenda, we're ready for you all to be back. <laughs> but um, I do want to recap real quick about the last three weeks. So this is the, the fourth week since Pastor's been gone. Uh, what's been spoken over, and I'm going to try to cap it all off, okay, uh, bring it into this month. Uh, but last week we had Brother Pastor Shane Jones, and he talked about prep work. He used the story of Elijah, and we know the, the miracles of Elijah, but a lot of times we don't know what he had to go through to get there. And so practice, remember practice? Um, sometimes we're, we go through a practice season, a time where we're at training season, before we, we get to the miracles God has for us. Brother Paul talked about week two, he talked about being battle ready. He talked about standing up to the tactics and what the enemy has against us and, and knowing the tactics of the enemy and, and knowing how to stand in the full armor of God and be able to stand firm. And then week one, uh, Brother Josh talked about simple obedience, you know, just obeying, being obedient to the call that God has placed in our life and doing that however the Holy Spirit sees fit in our life. Well, today I want, to, uh, I want to focus on a conversation from the book of Jeremiah. So if you would like to turn with me uh, to the book of Jeremiah, you may have a different translation. I read from different ones, but today I'm going to read out of the NIV. It'll be on the screen just in case you don't have a Bible. But um, I believe that God will speak to us about the calling that he has placed on each and every one of our lives uh, this morning. So Jeremiah chapter 12, starting verse 1. One. Now, the first four verses, Jeremiah is complaining, all right? So maybe you can relate to this, maybe not, I don't know. Um, Jeremiah says this, You are always righteous, Lord, when I bring a case before you. Yet I would speak with you about your justice. It's almost like Jeremiah's trying to butter God up. <laughs> it's like, God, you're righteous, but hey, here's how I really feel, okay? This is what he says. Why do the way of the wicked prosper? 
Why do the faithless live at ease? You planted them and they have taken root and they grow and bear fruit. Doesn't make sense. You are always on their lips, but you are far from their hearts. Yet you know me, Lord, Jeremiah says. You see me and you test my thoughts about you. Drag them off like sheep to be butchered. Set them apart for the day of slaughter. How long will this land be parched and the grass and every field be withered? Because those who live in it are wicked. The animals and birds have perished. And moreover, the people are saying, he will not see what happens to us. Now let's stop right there. I kind of want to recap these four verses because this is Jeremiah's complaint. How many of you can see that Jeremiah is angry? As a matter of fact, one of the phrases he says, hey, drag them off to be butchered like sheep. <laughs> All right. That, if that doesn't, uh, you know, require the, the phrase angry, then I don't know what does. But why is Jeremiah so angry? Well, let me tell you why. Jeremiah is a prophet, and he made some pro Israel. And he said that judgment is going to come. But guess what hasn't come yet? Judgment has not come yet. And so his very kinfolk in the place that he lives are mocking him. They're like, they're saying all, all sorts of things about him, and it's getting under his skin because he's believing God that God spoke through him, and God did, but God hasn't acted yet. And he says, instead of judgment, all Jeremiah sees is prosperity. He's saying, man, you have planted them. They are rooted. They're bearing fruit. He's saying it just doesn't make sense. Has anybody ever complained to God before? Okay. How does that normally go? <laughs> it feels good, I guess, to get it off your chest. But um, God has a response, and uh, it takes the rest of the chapter. <laughs> We're not going to read the rest of the chapter. We're going to read just and focus. Here's where my message is mainly going to come from is verse 5, and you can follow along with me. Verse 5, God says this. If you have raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with horses? And if you stumble in the safe country... How will you manage by the thickets in the Jordan? Let's pray over the word this morning. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Your word is truth. Let it speak to our hearts and let us be changed by it. God, I can't say a thing that's going to change anybody, but your Holy Spirit can. And so, Lord, I pray that you will work on our hearts. And God, I pray that we would leave here changed today, not because of anything I say, but because of your word. So, Lord, we give you praise for that. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start off with saying this. Not a whole lot of people know who Jeremiah is or could say a, a, a few things about him. So I'm going to give you permission to talk right now. And I want you to turn to somebody or two people. And I want you to name at least three things you know about Jeremiah, if you can. The prophet Jeremiah. So turn to somebody. Think about it. What are three things that you could tell, tell your neighbor? If, anything, if you don't know anything... It's okay. You're going to learn some things. But tell me about his personality. Tell me about where he's from. Tell me about maybe some things he said, how he died, those types of things. How did you do? Give me a thumbs up if you, if you told three things. Okay. A few. Well, uh, if you're taking notes, you can write down a few of these if you'd like, just, just for reference. 
But let me tell you a few things just to give you a little context, okay? Jeremiah wrote more than any other prophetic book in the Old Testament, okay? That's, that's one thing you need to know. He was a person of integrity. He is known as the weeping prophet. How would you like that, <laughs> to be known as the weeping prophet? How did he get that title? My man was passionate. He was talking about butchering people, okay? Like, <laughs> he was a passionate prophet. As a matter of fact, he wrote a whole book called Lamentations. You know, that was written by Jeremiah. And it was about basically weeping over the city of Jerusalem because it fell. And so he's a passionate person. He was called in 627 B.C. And he's probably in his late teens. So Migel, Ladavian, Isaiah, Esther, Lauren, Trustin, all you guys. He's probably about y'all's age. When, when Jeremiah received the call to be, as in uh, chapter 1 and verse 5 says, a prophet to the nations. How would you like that call? You want to be a prophet? Um, but he was, he was given to the nations, and Jeremiah's prophetic ministry lasted over 40 years, okay? So it, it was a long time that he was in office. So that's just a little bit about who we're talking about today. And so I want you to, to know that because of what we're going to talk about in these scriptures. But I also want you to know one more thing before we go on. <laughs> Jeremiah was an Old Testament prophet, which is a little bit different than today. See, Old Testament prophets were literally the mouthpiece for God. When God spoke to them, they spoke directly what God said. And, and more often than not, it was judgment. Because Israel, the Israelites would go astray. They would either worship idols that were not God. They would uh, commit adultery. They would lie. They would be unfair. There was all these things that, that they would do, and they would stray away from God. And so God would send a prophet. The prophet would say, hey, you need to repent. And guess what the people would do? They would torture, they would mock, and they would kill the prophets many times. Matter of fact, Isaiah, sorry, man, but uh, many texts say, many ancient texts say that he was uh, hiding from uh, the king in a tree, and they found him, and they sawed him in half, okay? So that's kind of like the, the prophets of old. And so you can imagine uh, the people back then, how, why he would be frustrated. Nowadays, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 14, when, when people give a, a prophetic word, it's to build up the church. It's to encourage. It's, it, it, it is, it is a, a, a bringing up, is a positive message nowadays when, when God gives a prophecy before the church. But let me tell you something. This is, this is what we're talking about today. We're all called. We are all called by God. And some of us are walking out that calling. And some of us may not be walking out the calling to the fullest potential. And we'll get more into that later. Ephesians 2.10 says this. For you are God's handiwork. Create, and some versions will say masterpiece. What does that mean? That means that God created every little detail about you. You know, you got to know this. God knows you. He formed you. Okay, that's the first part. You're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Okay, so you were made in the image of Christ to look like him. So you were created by God on purpose. You are created to look like Jesus. And it says, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So God has a mission for all of us. Okay, he built us on purpose for a purpose. And that is to do what we are called to do. What are we called to do? I'll get into that later too. I know I keep saying that, but I will get there. <laughs> so I do want to talk about three ways to better live out your calling. 
three ways that you can start today to better live out the call that God has on your life. Number one is to make goals, to make goals. In Luke 14, verses 28 through 30, uh, Jesus is re- referring to the cost of following him. And he, he says this to his disciples. He says, suppose one of you builds a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person has began to build and wasn't able to finish. I was like, was this like the insults back then? Is that how they insulted people? Look at that guy. He wasn't able to finish his house. <laughs> like they mock him for the rest of his life. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they made fun of people back then, but maybe that was one thing. But what am I trying to say? If you don't know where you're going, you don't know how to get there. Unless you're Abraham, and then you just have to rely on God, <laughs> I guess. But what direction are you moving in your life? Um, I think of kids. Have you ever asked a kid what they want to be when they grow up? Have you ever asked your kid? I haven't asked Jamie that yet, but I think she's too young. I don't know. But you get all kind of crazy answers, don't you? Uh, Well, actually, typical answers are what? Fireman? Astronaut? Okay. Dinosaur. (laughs) Funny thing about that. Um, You know, they may say, uh, did they say VeggieTale? Is that what she said? Um, so many would say, like, I want to be a professional athlete. I want to be a doctor or a musician. Maybe they say pastor. No, probably not. Uh, president. You know, there, there's all kind of things that they dream of. I actually had a youth just the other day tell me they want to be an ER doctor. What? Not in my lifetime would I ever want to be that. But I remember I was five, about five or six years old. And I'm the youngest of four. And my brothers and sisters asked me, Brad, what do you want to be when you grow up? And no lie, you want to know what I told them? I said, I want to be a mommy when I grow up. I didn't know any better. I was like, I looked up to my mom. I was a mama's boy. I love my mom. I was like, that's what I want to be. I want to be a mom. <laughs> yeah. And uh, luckily I grew out of that. <laughs> so right before I got here, you know, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, kids have so many dreams when they're growing up. But here's the thing. It's a real threat to our life. And it's not death. It's not pain. It's not tragedy. One of the greatest threats to our life is dying before we actually do. What do I mean by that? I mean, many times in life, we earn a living. We have a job. We raise a family. And then we die. You see, we've made it to whatever point that you say, this is where I'm at. I've made it here. And then when we just live, we coast from there on out. And we lose the sense of dreaming. What does God have next for me? You know, once you arrive to that place, wherever that place is in your life, that's not the end. You got to keep on saying, God, what do you have for me? What do you want to do through me? How can I be used by you? We've lo- have we lost the ability to dream and dream big? Mark Batterson says this in his, his book, The Circle Makers, pretty, pretty popular book. But uh, the quote's going to be on the screen. He says this. He says, bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. 
God isn't offended by your biggest dreams and boldest prayers. He's offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. Church, it's time that we dream big. It's time that we say that you may not be the most outgoing person. You may not be uh, the person that you think God can use you in a big way, but he can and he will. But first you have to know, number one, where you're going. And so I want to encourage you, if you don't know your spiritual goals, to write them down today. Right now, do you want to see a certain amount of people saved in a week or a month? Do you want to see people, you know, do you want to lead somebody to Christ each week? Do you want to pray for a stranger that you've never met before and say, each week I want to pray for one stranger, that I, you know, just somebody I, I just met? What is the goals that you have in your life? I believe when you pray big goals and live out big goals, God will do big things in your life. Amen? Brings me to number two. Making goals is one thing, but secondly, we got to make time. Our schedules are so full nowadays, aren't they? Um, it's, it's hard to work in uh, anything unless you're passionate about it. I mean, we can work in a football game. Come on, you know I mean? We can work our schedules around that. We can work, you know, going to the beach or going something you like, playing golf or whatever. But how many of you intentionally schedule parts of your week for God? Saying, God, I'm going to dedicate these two hours on this Friday or Saturday, and I'm going to go out and do something for you. I'm not going to sit at home. I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to just lay around. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do. You see, I'm the type of person is a start tomorrow person. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit it. My wife can tell you, how long have I been trying to work out? Since we got married. <laughs> Five and a half years ago. I keep saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back in the gym tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to do it. But, you know, we do that with, with a lot of things. It's cleaning our house, cleaning our car. We're going to start that diet tomorrow. We're tomorrow types of people. But how many times has Pastor Lynn preached a good word in here? A word that was directly that you know it was for you. And maybe you even came up to him after service. Pastor Lynn, that was for me. Shook his hand, left. Only to get back home and not be changed by it. See, the problem is we like ideas more than action. We like the idea of growing closer to God, but we don't want to make the time to pray. We like the idea of teaching God's word and preaching. We kind of like that title, the people seeing us and, and, and being able to share the word, but we don't like the time to study the word. We like the idea of leading others, but we don't like the idea of submitting to authority or you teenagers submitting to your parents, right? We want to be leaders. We want to be, this, this generation is considered a generation of influencers. That's what their title is. Generation Z is influencers. They want to influence but the problem lies if they don't want to submit. In Luke 12, uh, Jesus tells this parable, and I'll just paraphrase it, save a little time. But there's this guy that Jesus talks about um, who has uh, enough grain to, in, in his barns to, to fill them up. And he says, man, what am I going to do now? I have grain and I need more room. So he tears down his smaller barns and builds bigger barns. He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to kick back. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be happy. And what Jesus says is, he's a fool. Why? Not because he has stuff, but he says his life would be demanded of him that night. And in verse 21, Jesus says this, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves on earth, but is not rich towards God. You know, I put my, myself in this guy's shoes, and I try to make excuses for him, because this kind of contradicts point one for me. 
make goals. This guy was kind of making goals. Like, let me store up for the future. But the problem was he was storing up earthly things and not eternal things. You see, possessions is not the problem. The problem is, do you love the world more than you love the things of God? Do you love being comfortable more than you love allowing God to use you? One of the tragedies of ministry in the church, and not so much this church, because I love this church, and I believe this church is really making a difference. And I love the body of Christ. And I, there's, I, I just want to go on the record and say this. There are so many good churches out there, and I love them. I love the local church. I love what so many people are doing all around this nation and around the world. But one of the, the tragedies of, of ministry is that when it's all said and done, there's a lot more said than done, right? We say, but putting feet and putting action to it is a whole different ballgame. We got to learn to love and look to the things God has called us to, and we can't do that unless we make the time to do it. For this guy in the story, it was too late. We need to make the time starting today. And lastly, number three, we got to make up our minds. We got to Decide within ourselves to be used by God. I want to go, revisit this uh, scripture back in Jeremiah 12, verse 5. It says this. Jeremiah. God, I, love it. I, love, I just love when God responds to people. You know, but this is just like, he's just bringing so much revelation to him, I believe. He says, if you've raced with men on foot and they have worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? This is a direct reference to where he lived. He lived uh, two miles south of Jerusalem, and he's getting so worn out with the people from his hometown. He's getting so frustrated with the things that he's seeing around him. And God has called him to a higher purpose. He has called him to be a mouthpiece to the nations. He's called him to go to Jerusalem and face off against the very religious leaders of the day. And so what God is saying is, if you can't even handle your hometown, if you can't even handle the people that you're around, how do you expect to make it to the, the most powerful people around you? What are you going to do when the pressure's really on, when it really gets bad in life? He said, I have called you to compete with horses. And here you are getting worn out on foot. What is it in your life that you're getting worn out with? See, I believe that we all want to see big, God do big things through our lives. I think we could all agree with that. But the problem is we look to our own circumstances just like Jeremiah did. You say, you know what? I have family problems. You know, I, why, is, why is this person sick? Or why doesn't God heal that person? Or why doesn't God give me a better job? Or why, why, why? We start to question the things around us. And we're getting worn out with the small details. When God is saying, if you could push past that, if you can get past being worn out on foot, he's saying, I'm going to have you compete with horses. Let me give you one more example. At camp, um, our speaker, J.J. Vasquez, he, um, he, he brought the, the leaders, uh, he, he got to speak to the youth pastors and leaders. And one of the things that convicted me so much, he was talking to us and he said, yeah, how many of you want a big youth group? And we're like, yeah, we want big youth groups. As, as pastors, we like, the more people, the more I guess validation we see a lot of times um, as far as God's using us. You got a, a bigger church or a bigger youth group, you're like, man, God's really working through me, right? If you got a small youth group, you're like, oh, man. You know? <laughs> but, you know, we're sitting around with other pastors, and he's like, how many of you, you know, would want a youth group over 100? Like, yeah, sure. He's saying, but he said, you know what? 
maybe you're not ready. Because if you're so stressed out and worn out from a youth group of 20, how do you think you're going to handle 100? You know, and I was just like, whoa, okay. You know, but what is it in your life? You know, what is wearing you out so much that you can't get past? That God wants to push you farther, but you can't even handle the little things in your life that you're, that you're doing right now. You can't even be obedient in, in the simple things, as we said week one, that God has called us to. We often ask, though, many people ask this question, what am I called to do? And I believe that that's the wrong question. The question we should be asking is, are we not called to do something? And the answer is, we're called. Jesus is very clear in this word. We are all called. We are all called by, by and according to his purpose. When we see a need, that's our call. We don't have to be led by the Spirit to help somebody change a tire. We don't have to be led by the Spirit to, to give somebody a meal that's hungry. We don't have to be led by the Spirit to stop and pray for somebody. Because you know what? If there's a need, that's our call. And I believe that God is, is, is telling this church to get ready because he's going to use you in a, in a mighty and powerful way to do more than what we're doing. We're already doing some things. And I believe, man, I, I just, I, I so uh, am just like, you know, in awe of what this church does and so, what so many of you do. But every day, living out the call God has for you. I thought it was awesome with these students. You know, they were cleaning houses, serving food, and um, even building houses, right? Okay, Habitat for Humanity. But one thing that stuck out to me was when we went to the Forester Gardens. And um, <laughs> it was kind of funny. N none of y'all had ever done that before, right? Okay, so just to put this into perspective, we went to apartments and knocked on doors, people we did not know, and we asked them, number one, if they would like a book bag for anybody that's, you know, in school. But secondly, to pray. And so I challenged these guys to pray. And uh, Isaiah was with me first. And uh, we, well, actually, we started as a group first because I wanted them to kind of see it happen and then do it. And, uh, man, they were so nervous. They were sweating bullets. And uh, we get up, and there, there's this guy on the balcony, and we go, me and Isaiah go up to pray for him. And uh, we asked, like, hey, is there anything you need prayer for? He's like, sure, you can pray for my health. You can pray for a few different things. I'm like, all right, Isaiah, go ahead. And he looks at me. He's like, uh-uh. I'm like, no, you got it, bro. He's like, okay. And he starts to pray. I can't remember exactly what you said. But he gets about half a sentence in, and he just stops. And he's like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, and the guy, the guy we're praying for, he's a big guy. He's, like, kind of intimidating. But he's like, oh, man, you got it. You're doing good. And so Isaiah's like, okay. I, I, no lie, he's like encouraging them. And so um, he's like, all right. And so he keeps praying. He prays maybe one more sentence and then ends it. And then the guy's like, hey, thank you. I really appreciate you trying and you're doing a great job. Next house. They, they let us in the house. Me and Isaiah's in there, just us two. It's these two ladies. And um, we go to pray for them. And I, I, I mean, as if a switch had been turned, Isaiah just starts praying. And praying, I mean like praying from his heart. This lady is weeping, okay, that's beside us. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> you know, uh, this doesn't happen this fast, right? But I was just like, oh my goodness, God is starting, stirring up faith inside of our young people to do this. And you know what? It started with the decision to do it. None of us, what holds us back? You know what holds us back is fear. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? 
you know, are, are they just not going to come to church because I pray for them? Who's going to not come to church because you asked, you know, offered to pray for them? You know, what's the least they're going to do is say, no, you can't pray for me? And we did have a couple of those. But even if you don't get it all right, try. Be a part. Be accepting to the call. You know, even Esther, I was with Esther a little later. <laughs> it was so funny. You know, um, she was doing so good. Even her first time, she, you know, it was like she had it rehearsed and everything, and, and she was talking. We opened this, we knock on this one door, and they open the door real fast, and she says, hi, my name is Brad, and... Uh, <laughs> And she's like, no, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, you probably don't want to book back now, but my name's Esther. And, uh, you know, we may not get it all right all the time, right? But you know what? I believe we're making a difference when we do that. I believe we're living out the call. You know what I would love to see from TFA? Not an egotistical thing and not an arrogant thing, not a pride thing. But what if, like, every now and then we just pay for people's gas, or what if when we're at a restaurant and we're about to pray over the food, hey, uh, waiter, waitress, can I pray for you? Is there anything? We're going to pray in just a minute. Can we be praying for you as we pray our, for our food? You know, oh, you guys must be from Tuscaloosa First Assembly because I've been asked three times this week. You know, it's like, what if our church the, was a lighthouse and a beacon to this, to this community that they knew our name, not in a, again, not in an arrogant way, but in a way that we care about you. It would be a shame for somebody to live a couple blocks away from the church and never hear the gospel and never have somebody love on them and never have somebody, you know, preach the name of Jesus to them. That is our mission. That is our call. And every single person in this room is called to that. You see, I believe that God is calling us from being worn out to competing with horses. But it starts with making goals. We got to know where we're going we got to make the time to get there. And then we got to decide within ourselves, this is what we're going to do. I can't just say I'm going to work out because it ain't never going to happen. <laughs> At some point, i got to wake up early. i got to get my gym shorts on. i got to go outside and run. i got to make it to the gym, and i got to start somewhere. And when I do, faith is going to rise up. Ain't that right? Faith is going to rise. These guys are like, let's go back. <laughs> Well, we're going out praying for people in Midtown. Hey, let's go back every week. We're tired of hearing you preach. <laughs> I'm like, all right, whatever. You know? <laughs> let's be a people that go. And let's be a people that do. And as we wrap up this month, and I'm, I'm telling you, I just, I just can't imagine what Pastor has and what God has, has spoken to him. But I'm, I'm ready. It's easy to be average but it's not better. It's easier to be comfortable, but it's not significant. It's all because of Jesus in our life. And you know what? If you're in this room and the sound of my voice as I'm coming to a close and the band can come up, if you have never accepted the call, I want you to know something this morning. And you are called according to his purpose. And he wants to use you in a powerful way. I believe that God can use each and every one of us every single week to make a difference. Again, if it's just praying for people. I mean, it's the craziest thing, but once you start, it's so much easier to just let that be your lifestyle. We 
I just believe the scriptures for us. We need to compete with the horses. We need to allow God to use us in a powerful way. To close, I just want to say this. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, the most important thing today before you leave is to get your life right with God. If you're here and you're not living for the Lord, today you can make the greatest decision that you've ever made, and that is to give your life. Or maybe at one point you gave your life to the Lord, but you know you're not living for Him. Hey, there's no time like today. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. Let today be that decision. Would you bow your heads with me? With nobody looking around this room, if that's you and you would like to make that decision to give your life to Christ, I do not want to end today without giving that opportunity. So if you're here, if you just raise your hand, I want to pray for you. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you say, Pastor Brad, would you please pray for me? I would like to give my life to Jesus. Can I just see your hand now? Amen. Thank you. guys can look up here at me. In just a minute, if you raise your hand, I want you to come join me because I want you to pray. I want to pray for you. But also, as we end today in worship, if you say, you know what? I'm not competing with the horses. I get worn out with the things around me. I can do better. I want to pray a charge over you. I want to pray uh, a boldness. I want to pray for the Holy Spirit to lead you in all wisdom and all truth. And so if you'll stand with me this morning, and if you would like to join me down here and just declare today as a church that we are going to be a people that's intentional and that will allow God to intervene in those around us, would you come join me? And if you raise your hand to accept the Lord, I want you to meet me down front because I want to pray for you especially. Amen. Come now. If that's you, if you raise your hand, come on now. Don't be, don't be ashamed. Amen. Who else? Who else would like to join these as we end today?